on the line right now, we have a former commissioner of police and, of course, a former minister of national security was there um, September 4th of February 2015, September 4th, 2013 to February 2015, and he was the commissioner August 2018 to 2021. Captain Gary Griffith, good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon, sir, and good afternoon to your many listeners. All right, Happy man. New Year to you. Same to you, man. Same to you. Nice to have you here. Where do we start, Gary? Where do we start Trinidad and Tobago in terms of, of crime? Of course, when it comes to crime and crime fighting, your name always comes up as someone that people have a lot of faith in. They could say what they want, but when people say Gary, or people always say, bring back Gary. When Gary was there, Gary, Gary, Gary. What it is you were doing so much that people had so much so differently that people had so much of faith and still do have faith in you as a you know commissioner of police and a minister of national security. What was it? What what was your mind thinking? What how did you go about it? What if you could say? Put it in in some words there. Well, well I think it's just I was at the right place at the right time. There there'll always be a time and place for persons based on their personality, their training, that it could be of value to the country based on that field. Uh, when I was Minister of National Security, it was a time where um, implementation of policies would have been critical, and that is what I was pretty pretty okay with. Mm -hmm. um, so as a Minister of National Security, I was pumping policies such as making sure we had the diamond vessels, which would have been 1.2 billion less than the OPVs that cost 1.2 billion dollars more than other OPVs around the world, um, pushing in the, um, the National Operations Center, establishing a rapid response unit, and then when I became Commissioner of Police, it was a time where the country needed operational leadership. Um, hopefully, 10 years from now, there would not be a need for a tactical, strategic, operationally trained Commissioner of Police. Um, that has always been a problem with the TTPS, um, where just before me and after me, the individuals are, are very the administrative. There's nothing wrong with that. There can be a time where you might just need administrators who will be pen pushers, dealing with promotion, dealing with documentation. Uh, and, and not, not knocking the Ulla Christopher, the Stephen Williams, the uh, McDonald Jacob. Yeah, people, but, people who tend to stay up in your office, but you are a man on the ground as well. On the ground. Which was, I was very disappointed when the Prime Minister in his National Security Council um, release said that they're trying to find ways and avenues, but they're never on the ground. Even as the Minister of National Security, I will visit every fire station and the prisons when they are constantly, as the Commissioner of Police, I, visit, I went to all 70-plus police stations mm. within the first months. You've got to be on the ground. The, 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 the public and the media would not know probably... 5% uh, is what they would have known that I was doing. Uh, most of the time, I'll be out in the middle of the night at operations, being there, understanding the needs, the concerns, understanding the technology that is available out there. That is what is required. Uh, as a Minister of National Security, first thing I did, you don't politicize national security. Mm -hmm. That has always been a problem. Uh, if people recall me as a minister, they, they forgot that era. But at, at no time was I ever in conflict with the opposition. Yeah. I embraced them. I looked towards their recommendations. I worked with them. I was able to piggyback on the good from the then government, for, such as when they had the special anti-crime unit. I was able to form the National Security Special Operation Group as the minister, and then the Special Operation Response Team as the commissioner, piggybacking from what the PNM had. Patrick Manning wanted OPVs. I was able to get diamond vessels. I understood the importance. Uh, the National Operations Center, similar to SWORTS Command Center. So you don't throw away the baby with the bathwater. That is what has happened right now. Um, I, I know the biggest concern you're hearing now as it pertains to domestic violence and the incident that took place recently. That is the ultimate example. As Commissioner of Police, I understood the importance for 
dealing with situations where women were being abused, beaten, killed. And what you were getting were women will go to a police station. The police officers are not trained. The police officers will actually tell women, well, go tell it to reach home three o'clock in the morning. Hmm. And that kind of, that is, and, it's, and this is not to knock the police. It's horses for courses. And th th this, is a, this is a woman coming in to report an abuse or rape or something. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. We, had, we had reports. I got reports of women because of after being beaten, police officers will tell them they're properly dressed. They have to leave the station. Hmm. Then you will have them stay on a desk for 24 hours because and tell, and tell them you can't get showered. And then you're there after being raped or beaten and you're sitting only on a bench where other people are coming in um, just to get a, a certificate of character. Yeah. It was wrong. And this was not the fault of the officers. Because when I brought in Giuliani and Partners, I brought in the NYPD, I got them to first sign a bilateral agreement. And working with them, we were able to understand that this was a specific type of crime, specific type of policing. Mm. So we trained from the gender-based violence unit. You have not heard right, about okay. that in the past two years. Yeah, 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 because yeah. this was one of the 100 policies that have been deliberately shut down and dismantled. Hmm. The value of that? We have highly trained police officers qualified to understand the sensitivity, the confidentiality, mm -hmm. and the professionalism that is required so that citizens, if you are beaten or if you are raped, you don't have to go to a station anymore. Okay. They will come to your home. Okay. They, will then, they will then have a specific building and area that you can go there. You can then be swabbed and without having to go into a police station. You go into right. a police station, sometimes the officer is a friend of the of the of the spouse okay. so by the time you're leaving the station he's calling you cursing you white as you reported me right all of these things you change mm. we then had the online reporting the online reporting ensure that you didn't mm. have to go to a police station that was uh -huh. also shut down that, the, that police app was one of the biggest apps in the country hmm. and had we stayed with these things and i'm, I'm not saying you know, unfortunately people are very political yeah so you'll hear a few and until i dead i actually listened to um, one of comrade Wendell Stevens on his case. Oh, uh, we don't go there now. Don't go there, don't go there with them fellas now, man. Oh, gosh. Yeah, <laughs> he, people started saying, give Gary, if you feel that you're better than God. I said, are yeah. you serious? Yeah, man. Here, I'm just simply trying to save lives yeah. and they automatically try to, to, to start to pelt daggers on yeah. me. For but but I mean, we're just talking here. I mean, these are some good ideas online. You know what I mean? Having things online, having officers come to you. I mean, I don't understand why officers will be so insensitive in the first place. But I mean, it is a good step to the made. And you, you really felt when you were there, there was a, a change in the morale and the upliftment in the police. The way people always used to claim up. Uh, complain about how police officers dealt with people they were very hoggish unfriendly but you know and the difference well you know you travel well traveled when you go to away in the states the nypd how they would greet you they understand is tourism and how officers would be there was a sort of a change and a wind blowing with the change in the police service when you were there and that was important to the public they felt like they could you know relate to police officers a little better and it just doesn't seem to be like that anymore but, but, but I ask the public not to knock the police. These are the same officers because when I became commissioner, public trust and confidence in the police service was 14%. Mm -hmm. When I left, it, so it was the lowest in, the, in all arms in the public service. When I left, it went to 59%. It was the highest because I, we put a lot of emphasis in public um, relations, customer service training, disciplining police officers, working with the police complaint authority that was never done before, giving them the respect that they have, making sure officers were disciplined, if not suspended, if not arrested. And with that, police officers, people started feeling comfortable. They pull, police officers started giving tickets for adhering to the law. And and and, and then after I left, all of this was dismantled. Mm -hmm. And now public trust mm -hmm. and confidence moved from 59% back down to 8%. 
But let's just go back to the domestic violence situation. Yeah. So when you had this, these matters where it is, we had an elite unit, highly trained, it allowed many women now to feel comfortable to come forward making the reports. Mm. By increasing the numbers of reports and with us making sure we dealt with it in a proper manner, the suspects, the, the, the those being charged, now realized that there, that there was a, a pushback. They started, because before they figured, I could beat my wife, I could, I could point my gun at them, and nothing would be done. We started showing that to them. They started backing off. In the last two years, have you ever heard about the gender-based violence unit? It has been, and it's because it's a Gary Griffith thing. The police app was a Gary Griffith thing. The online reporting was a Gary Griffith thing. Having a, a, a gender-based violence unit that if women could go and make a report online or they come into your home. And then the, the, as it pertains to the matter yesterday, I was very, so as, as much as the lies you heard in the Stanley John report, I put 14 policies to minimize the possibility of people utilizing legal firearms for the wrong purposes. One of it had to do with if at any time there's a report of domestic violence, immediately, if any person has a firearm from an FUL, it is seized Should be taken. And I said that before. If and and th let's go to the thing with this restraining order. I said I was saying before, if we need more than just this piece of paper, if a restraining order is put on you, right? Whether you're in the T TTPS, in the Coast Guard, in the regiment, you have a license firearm, whatever, and that restraining order is, let's say, well due to you, and it is proven that listen, due to your restraining order, that firearm should be taken right away. You should not have access to any firearm. But it was being done, and that's yeah. why the lies you hear from politicians. In the three years I was commissioner, not one legal firearm was lost, stolen, or used for a crime because we had systems in place to prevent what is happening now. As it pertains to the defense force, if it is that, that someone has what is known as a keep and carry, mm -hmm. and it means that the chief of defense staff can give authorization without the approval of the commissioner. If it is that we get the report of domestic violence or a restraining order, we will then write to the chief of defense staff, bring it to his attention to ensure that that person does not have a firearm. So if that type of standard operational procedure had been done, the individual yesterday may not have had the capability to have acquired that firearm. So when it is he had an FUL, it should have been seized months ago. Right. If he did not, he should not have just been able to have access to a firearm from the defense force because the chief of defense staff should have received a letter from the police service mm -hmm. letting the defense force know this man is a threat to citizens. Make sure that he does not receive a firearm. So it is either the police did not forward it to the defense force, so somebody mm. dropped the ball there, or yeah. the defense force received this letter from the police and they had failed to adhere to ensuring that this individual did not have the easy accessibility to go into an army and sign for a firearm. All right, now, now let's talk about the, the, the police uniform as is. We have a lot of reports. Look, there was a woman who was a businesswoman who was um, kidnapped by two men in, in police uniform, so to speak. The police uniform right now just seems to be a joke. Anybody can make a police uniform with this blue khaki and call themselves a police for police on the back. What do you think about actually changing the police uniform to make it something, I mean, more recognizable to the public, something totally different where they cannot uh, copy so easily? Well, sadly, as I said, there were 117 policies, plans, procedures, units that I put in, and all of it was dismantled because of petty, childish, immature politics, mm -hmm. either by certain senior persons in the police service saying, we need to remove Gary's legacy, which is not, I don't care. These things were working, or politicians putting pressure on the police. Similar to the stupid thing being done now by telling all FUL holders, you need to reapply so that I could prevent you from, from getting it. And the police service is going to be suited kingdom come, 
and the taxpayers are not going to have to pay tens upon tens of millions of dollars in lawsuits wow. because of that decision. But going back to the uniform, which was one of the 170 plus policies that was shut down, when I was commissioner of police, I understood the uniform that is being used now by the police service, there are security companies that yeah. is harder to mimic their uniform than the police right. because they copied a security guard type of uniform, a blue uniform. Mm -hmm. I did the draft, I met with NYPD, Chicago, other units, I, and we did the uniform. I sent it to the Ministry of National Security asking for a total change. It was almost identical to the NYPD. What it would ha have is it was a short sleeve, it was a shirt, and it will have the badge of the police officers. It right. will have their numbers engraved on a collar, so you'll see their numbers so they can't duck you. It will have um, the access for the clip on for your radio. Mm -hmm. It will have the belt for you to have minimum use of force, which is from verbal persuasion, okay. down to the battle, down to the pepper spray, down to the tasers, down to the firearms. So you'll have that right around the escalate. As it escalates, you, you lift your escalation based on the minimum, um, minimum use of force. So we had a uniform to change it, and it would have been virtually impossible to copy, copy that. Right. It's a blue shirt, wow. blue jacket, which is, I mean, it is easier to copy that than security than some security companies. Yeah. But again, it was a Gary Griffith thing. The draft was there. It was approved by cabinet. And as soon as I left, they shut it down. Wow, that's terrible. That, that's terrible. You had to wonder sometimes if these politicians really have the best interest in Trinidad and Tobago at heart. Gang violence. Um, where do you stand with, 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 with the gang violence that's going on? It's been said that, you know, the TTPS knows every gang leader, slash community leader, whoever it is. They know them, they know them, they know them. Why is it that a few are just allowing this country to just go so, you know, topsy-turvy? Gang violence, where do you stand with that? Again, you know, if you look at today's newspapers, there's the persons who call it, will say that they are, they are security experts, criminologists, and so forth. And everybody is saying we need an all-out war on crime. But when I was doing that, mm -hmm. when they I was being very aggressive, people were upset. They were yeah. crying. They were complaining. They were saying Gary's too aggressive. So you're getting what you want now. You complain when I was there and I was pegging back criminals. In my last year from August 2020 to August 2021, we had 342 murders in a year. It was the lowest number of murders in any given year since 2003 or 2004. That's about 17 odd years. Because we did, we put things in place to peg back criminals, provide the deterrent, reduce the product of opportunity make life difficult for a criminal to realize where where the heck this man gets a few moments later that i can come on on social media brandish a firearm and within two hours i'm being arrested right. how it is that i could jump over a wall for home invasion and by the time i jump back over the wall the police are there how how it is that as soon as i i i commit a crime we will they will have a lockdown because of the things we had from the operational command center the commissioner's command center the emergency response patrol with 100 police vehicles locking down the country staying in the aor which is the area of responsibility gps tracking making sure you have online reporting you have the app reporting you had an sos on your phone that you can press sos and immediately they can respond we had social media monitoring units that would have seen what gangs were doing we were in dealing with the dark web we were using technology that put an end to kidnapping it was the first time where we had about 11 operations. Kidnappers will take someone. We will raid the home where the kidnappers will release the victim and arrest the kidnappers. Mm. All of that kidnappers realize, wait a minute, what technology is this man using? Is this the KTPS using? All of that they shut down. So now we are back now. Kidnappers kidnap the person. The person pays the ransom. And then after, we will say the person release. Hip, hip, hooray. We have now brought back another trade in yeah. crime. Yeah. And so again, if you are, as it pertains to gang violence, Unless it is you fight fire with fire, you do it to them until they, unless they, um, before they do it to you. Mm. When it is, I spoke about one shot, one kill, people were concerned. But it made the criminals and the gang members realize 
listen, you want a war, you're going to get one. That's right. And that has gone. Look at the Special Operation Response Team. That was an elite unit that had fear, that put fear in criminals as soon as I left McDonald Jacob shut it down. But, but then we have other units that have been in, involved in dozens of murders that have been investigated with police officers suspended, if not charged for murder. And those units have not been shut down. You think the, the soldier who killed the two persons yesterday, they're going to shut down that unit in the in Kamuto barracks? They're not. So it was an excuse just to shut down a unit that was putting fear into criminals. And they changed it with something known as the NOTF, the National Operation Task Force. And since then, in the last two years, their biggest success has been to arrest an old lady on the pavement for selling school books. Hmm. Wow, boy. Terrible. Of course, you'll take some calls, man. 627-3223-625-2257. Now, the, the FUL situation, Gary, I mean, you've been accused of just giving FULs willy-nilly, willy-nilly. And what, what do you have to say about that? Well, again, it shows ignorance, stupidity, and political bias because hmm. the audacity of Keith Rowley to tell me that, but you're harassing me to get a firearm dealership for a partner or somebody you know good in Tobago to sell hundreds of firearms. The man is a hypocrite. And Trinidad and Tobago to all of the PM till are dead. Take that in, in, um, in and look at it, accept it, and let me know what you have to say. You're concerned that Gary Griffin is giving out firearms, but you harass me, and I have it right here anytime when you're ready. Gary Griffin, I have a good person, give him a FUL dealership so that hundreds of weapons could be sold in Tobago. So you're upset, mm. but you're harassing me to get dealership to sell more guns and then telling me to put a range in Tobago. Then you have a minister of national security put harass me to get firearms for dozens of persons closely affiliated to him. So, I mean, it shows the, the bias. But what makes it worse is that I issued 4,000 firearms out of 50,000 applicants. 4,000 firearms, half of those were to present and previous police officers, soldiers, sailors, prison officers who lives were at risk because of the things that they did whilst trying to serve their country. Mm. And out of that, so you're speaking about 0.05% of the national population. And to these people, as ignorant as they are, are saying that that is Gary Griffith giving out weapons left, right, and center. Because I was professional, committed to my job, and doing my work, because I was doing my work well, you say Gary giving out too much. Because other commissioners felt to themselves, well, I don't think civilians should get a firearm because I don't think so. That is not your right. If there's a law that says certificate of character, background check, the wife has given approval, you have a good place, there's, a, there's just justification, you are entitled to it. And by you as a commissioner say, well, I don't think you should get. That is what caused the backlog. But again, going back to the 4,000 I issued, not one was lost, not one was stolen, not one was used for a crime, and dozens upon dozens of lives were saved. Mm -hmm. So my disappointment is that I didn't give out more because mm -hmm. my concept is that law-abiding citizens, it is the right of them to have a firearm and to defend themselves if the state is unable to give the assurance that they can protect you. But we have we have so much guns on the streets, Gary, and well, and ammunition as well too. The ammunition thing is an issue too. But where are all these guns coming from? All these guns. Well, and, that, and that is the sad thing. Keith Rowley and Fitzgerald Hines have spent 95% of their time in the last few years being concerned about law-abiding citizens having legal firearms. Mm. But there's nothing that they're saying or doing about illegal firearms, which has been, now there have been, I think, uh, what is it, about 4,000 odd murders by firearms um, in the last 10 years. Yeah. And 3,994 something have been by illegal firearms. Mm. And, and therein lies the problem. The illegal firearms is the cause of the, the, the vast majority of murders in this country. But all you're speaking about is legal firearms. Yeah, it but do we have, do, where are all these illegal firearms coming from? Well, I, I'm coming to that, and that's it. So as, so as much, instead of, they have not done one thing, 
to put an end to illegal firearms entering the country. Mm. But they're upset about law-abiding citizens getting legal firearms to defend themselves from those with illegal firearms. So the problem lies is that the majority of the illegal firearms enter our country through our legitimate ports of entry. This perception that hundreds of guns are coming through Venezuela, that is not true. A very small percentage. The majority come from North America, mm -hmm. from containers and legitimate ports of entry. I did a template I showed to Keith Rowley as the commissioner because I realized he had a clueless National Security Council. They didn't understand how to deal with these things. I drafted a concept for a border protection unit. Similar to, to sort, these people must be all be polygraphed. You have representatives from the police, customs, immigration, Coast Guard, all polygraphed, one hand watching the other, covert or undercover officers, making sure we can monitor these containers and prevent the illegal weapons from entering. Keith Rowley refused to even acknowledge receipt of my correspondence. And it was the it is the ultimate, is the main way that can assist in putting an end to illegal firearms entering the country. Police season illegal weapons here is a drop in the bucket. Mm. They will seize about 800 per annum. So after five years, they will seize about 4,000. But that can enter our country in one night with one container. Mm. We lose, we lose eight containers roughly annually without it being accounted for. These containers leave the ports, get out, and it is not accounted for. No one knows where it, where it goes. So the one night you have that rogue element of the stevedore, that rogue custom officer, that rogue security guard, and that container leaves with hundreds of weapons, mm -hmm. you're spinning top in mud. Right. And so there, that should be the focus. But not one thing has been said about illegal firearms. There's a concern about law-abiding citizens mm -hmm. getting legal firearms to defend themselves. As, as you mentioned, rogue, rogue officers within the TTPS and well other... Um, when we, when you were Minister of National Security, of course, other things may, may come under you, but the TTPS, rogue officers, many, many rogue officers working with criminals and, you know, it's part of the whole crime network. How were you dealing with rogue officers at your time? Well, again, similar, there's no police service in the world that would not have this. What you have to do is to utilize the type of technology, the type of units to monitor them, work closely with the police complaint authority, which was never done before. The police complaint authority, they were totally ignored. And so what I did is that we got intelligence, we got, we had undercover operators, uh, we got persons who would be there to provide us as confidential informants, and they would give us the information to show uh, that there will be certain police officers securing drug blocks, certain police officers using vehicles to escort criminal elements. And th so there was enough intelligence we had, but not enough evidence to arrest them. What I started doing was transferring some of these officers away from those places that they controlled. By doing that, I broke down the drug block, prevented the persons now from having the protection of police officers um, on the Southwest Peninsula, for example, where there's a concern of human trafficking and illegal drugs. I asked for polygraph testing to be done. Do you financially benefit from illegal drugs and weapons entering the country? If you refuse to be polygraphed, I can't discipline you, but I can transfer you to an admin department in the middle of Trinidad away from the borders. That is what was being done. As soon as I left, almost every single person was red flagged, seen as a person of interest based on the intelligence report. They were sent back to their locations. It, it gave the impression there was a deliberate underworld in the police service, very small, very small, but they had their links in certain persons to be able to get them back to where to where they belong, to where it is they continue to apply their trade. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, uh, of course, we're going to take some calls right now. Hold on, callers. Hold on, callers. One more minute. Question with Gary Griffith. All right. So we had um, our Commissioner of Police, Ola Christopher, asking for help from the citizens. Um, do the citizens, I mean, I know when you came out, you gave your number. A lot of people felt safe just calling your number just like that. I know you mentioned the online thing before, which was a great, a great initiative. You know, um, how 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 can we help right now? If you were 
to, to put a, to put to do something right now. What could be done? I know it's not an immediate and a and an overnight thing, but how could we help right now with this crime situation the way we go in in Trinidad and Tobago? Because we're just going down a, a spiraling road. Well, as I said, um, the Prime Minister and the Commissioner of Police, they are on the right track to ask and hope that the public can assist. They're on the wrong track because these things that we had in place that gave them the opportunity to assist, you shut it down because of pettiness. Mm. So if we let us want to give her a number, that is her business. But we had online reporting. The online reporting allowed citizens to come forward, give information without it going through a station, without paper trail, without documentation. We had the police app that was available. We had the social media monitoring so that they could look and analyze. A lot of things, seen. a lot of things happen online. Eh? A lot of things happen on, like you say, social media, men brandishing right. guns, big and bold on social media. A lot of things That's happen right. on social media. Yeah. Yeah, I learned that with NYPD. NYPD, what they picked up is that the gangs would have been boasting about crimes they committed or, or give hints of crimes they were about to commit. That is why we did something that was known as predictive policing. So when people say that you can't stop a crime, you can. We found through our intelligence, SWAT was able to intercept so many vehicles to, and, and seize weapons of persons who were on the verge of heading to kill prison officers, putting a hit on other persons. So that predictive policing is what caused that, that murder rate in that period to be 342. And then we almost doubled it a year later because you took away the, the systems that allowed citizens to come forward to give information to the police. If you don't give them the opportunity, they are, they are going to be second guessing. And that's why if the police and the citizens don't have that synergy, the criminals benefit. All right, okay, let's take a call, right? right? We're keeping it short, we're keeping it tight. Hello, good afternoon. Hello, good afternoon. Yeah, go ahead. Um, good afternoon, um, Gary Griffith. I'm trying to get as short as ever. Um, you, yourself, the Prime Minister, and acting if ACP, um, Commissioner Police Jacob, used to um, emphasize, if you see something, say something. I had my issues with that because still, still goes on. One of the major issues I have with police is a five that I would call trust. You go and you follow your instructions or the Prime Minister's instructions or Jacob's instructions. You go and you say something, whether it's a drug block or whatnot. Next thing, you could be assassinated because police are informers to the drug and the gang people. All right, so hurry up. What's your question? What's your question? Your question, quick, sir. I understand where he's coming from. Mm. I understand. Mm. And so you're correct, so let me clarify. That is mm. why I had 42 Gary. So I will get over 100 calls a night. Direct, yeah. And directly, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm not going. So then I will do. Mr. John James is going to sell drugs, or is going to put a hit on somebody. I will now utilize the information to turn it into an operation without trying to pass on who send the information to me. That is why the 42 Gary was instrumental. People realize I don't trust. I might trust everybody in the police service, but I could trust Gary. So at no time anybody will send something to me. And there was there was a, a concern of, of retaliation, mm. similar to the online mm -hmm. reporting. So that is why those things worked. It's not there anymore, and people are obviously, you go to a police station, you make a report, by the time you come out, there's a possibility that there may be that one rogue element in the station that can tip it off, mm -hmm. which is why we had the online reporting, which is why we had the police app, which is why we had the 482 Gary, to give citizens the opportunity to be assured, give us the information, and nothing could happen to you. All right, next one. Question, good afternoon. Yes, question. Good afternoon. So, Mr. Griffith, you are one man, and I will have any problem we have here today, because... When you leave, Gary leaves, so I have nobody to call. When Gary should have implement something in and change change the trust in the police service, 
you made it in a way that we put the trust in Gary Griffith. And that is the problem we have. Instead of we trust the police service, we call in 800 Gary. Gary should put something in place. Or you so what, place, do you have a question or just an accusation? Excuse me? Do you have a question? I have a question. I just laid it out there. Okay, all right. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I understand, too. Right. So. All right, so you... you right. He's, he's correct. It's a good point. But still, that is why it wasn't just 482 Gary. We had online reporting. The online reporting was there after I left. That was shut down. We had the police app. The police yeah. app was there and it was shut down. So it wasn't about if you don't trust anybody, police just talk to me. I put systems in place to ensure that if that you can trust the police because the online reporting can ensure that there's there is no way that they can come back to you. It is similar to the to, um to um the the other systems they have around the world where it is that uh, you, you could give information and do and, and and there was and you cannot be targeted. So I put the systems in place. It was there, the online reporting, the police app. The police SOS that was on your phone, all of that was shut down. So I gave citizens your. It was just about contacting me alone because you trust me alone. Mm. All right, okay. We taking another call. Hello, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, babe. Yes, sir. Right. Quick question to Mister Guy Griffin. Good afternoon to you, sir. Good afternoon. All right, okay. Here the question I want to ask. Right, you say that police who didn't want to do the polygraph testing, you will move them and put them in different parts of the country. My thing is right when you go. Who have the authority to put them back in the position where you move them from? I just want to know who have the authority to put them back. That is one. In relation to the crime, right? I have suggested one thing on this program, right? I wouldn't say that you can't trust everybody and you can't trust nobody at all. There are some people you could trust, but the reality is citizens doing the crime in the country. I have suggested, right? When a home invasion or a robbery take place in the country, you have to look at everybody as a criminal. Do a house, a house search, and if you find anything of stolen items in people's place, seize it and let the, let the people come to my station and identify. That's the way you'll be able to get a lot of the criminals and them in the country. All right. Thank you, sir. Right. So again, again, as I said, with home invasions, because we are a national operation center, we're monitoring the 17,000 cameras, we have police vehicles on the ground. If you pass Arpita Avenue on a Friday night, people complain with me as commissioner. They're trying to get drunk and there's too, too many blue lights every three, every three minutes. No, there was never an incident in my three years on Arpita Avenue. As soon as I left, almost every weekend there's a shooting there because, because there's an absence of that type of unit that's patrolling constantly. I did a lot of cheating. I piggybacked a lot from NYPD, Chicago, London Metropolitan Police, seeing what they did, how they operated to peg back criminals, provide the opportunity. And, and that is what is required. So people jumping out. Well, how is it that home invasions didn't take place under my watch? You, you make the jump, by the time you get back over, because somebody makes a 999 call, the National Operations Center sees the call, sees the police vehicles in closest proximity, tell the vehicle so, 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 you have to report it. And within, we had less than five minutes response. The only thing that would have turned into less than three minutes, I asked the Minister of National Security, hand over 999 to the police service. Because on earliest night or something, I will go into that 999 and there'll be one person working and they're supposed to be 12 or 13, 24 hours a day, because you had civilians running the 999 unit. You call 999 now, you get, they put you on hold, they, they, you put you on standby, or they will try to call a police station. That's not how it works. The 999 is, must be linked straight to the National Operations Center. You go to the screen, you see where the call is at the corner of A and B Street. You look at the police vehicles in closest proximity and bam, you get there. That is how we put an end to home invasions. That's how we dealt with kidnappings. That's how when criminals do, you, you commit a robbery, you commit a shooting, within three minutes, vehicles will turn up. What happens after I left? You shut it down. Somebody could kill somebody, blow away their head by a residence nightclub, which is 30 seconds walk from the commissioner's residence. 
two minutes walk from St. James Station, two minutes drive from St. Clair, and it'll take 30 to 40 minutes for a police vehicle to show up there. That's why the criminals know this now. All that is required is to stop politicizing national security, look at what worked, and stop playing the, and take away the pettiness. All right, let's take one more question. Hello, good afternoon. Good evening, Bill. Yes, sir. Good evening to you, Mr. Gary Griffith, man. Good afternoon, sir. As you're saying there, the name of Morales from New Grand, I call the station regular, based on that. All right. The response, right, that is a part of Africa. Recently, we had a little issue, and then we called the Nyan was on hold. So, what you, I heard you were saying yesterday that they need to move the Nyan into the police police service in terms of like under direct command. Because I remember the days when they had the, um, I think the first time Nyan was in Jutan Trinidad was when they had the Chiroque Jeeps coming into Trinidad. I think that was the only time I could, if I could recall. That the Nyanai was kind of like a kind of pretty response, effective, some degree of response. So, what you are saying now is that we need to. I heard you outline there. We won't really need a response to crime eh, because when you have a response now, you'll have deterrent. The lockdown is there. I'm a person, man. Take care. Bye. Yeah, man. All right, but in terms and, of response, now go, go ahead. Yeah. And, and let me just say quickly again, I give the assurance in the country, whole strain within 12 to 15 months. I would be in a position of authority in government to put these things back in place to make it even better because mm -hmm. I was only able to revamp the police service. I intend to transform the police service, the prisons, the customs, the immigration, and all arms of the public service to ensure that they will have optimum level of productivity by measuring their performance, making them accountable, and providing good leadership. Right. So quickly, for example, what you're going to get is that you're going to call 999. And what you're going to get, and I did, this is similar to New York City because when I went to one police plaza, I went to other places and with the mayors and so forth. You, you, you in New York, you make a call and the person they're going to tell you police, fire or medical. Mm -hmm. So then you say medical and then they ask, what's the problem? Well, my father is now, he's now beating up there, he's beating. They will tell you what to do and guide you whilst you're there, whilst at the same time have an ambulance heading towards that location because the ambulance are GPS tracked and they look at the ambulance in closest proximity. What that does, it, it, it will decrease the number of persons who lose their loved ones because you don't have an effective medical system for an immediate response. Or the person says fire, you immediately contact the fire service and you look at the, the closest fire truck that is available, the fire station. Mm. Or the police, which we knew, which we, we were doing, and you have the Air National Operations Center being able to link the closest police vehicle in proximity. You improve the standard of police, fire, and medical simultaneously by simply using that 999 system. That is what you call productive and positive type of governance that this country needs. Not people calling 999, being put on hold, then telling you you must call a police station to report a crime. That banana republic type of that law enforcement stop. and okay. governance would end. Now, the thing is, you could change the police service how much you want. But then again, we have the other part of the of, 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 the, of the law, where the law has to take place, the judiciary, right? That needs to be fixed as well. And then what I did, I drafted something known as the Ministry of Justice mm -hmm. uh, as a national security advisor. And, and unfortunately, the persons who held that ministry did not do what was required. That Ministry of Justice is critical to revamp our whole criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. So after the police have done their job, the person is charged. We have some of the highest recidivism rates in the Americas, where we have a revolving door on crime because of poor rehabilitation. You have some uh, a, a person with a minor offense. He goes into prison. He comes out a more seasoned criminal. You have persons who are in remand. They spend more time in remand than the actual offense maximum sentence. That is where our Ministry of Justice will come in to improve our um, um, reduce our recidivism rate, better rehabilitation, making sure people will not be in remand for several years. 
You can't do it through the AG's office. You can't do it through the Ministry of National Security. So that Ministry of Justice is going to assist in totally transforming our criminal justice system. All right, okay. Now, of course, we have a lot of things happening behind the walls within the prisons as well. You know? Right, that's be, right. Right? Yeah. Yep. All right, Captain Gary Griffith. Well, I mean, I wish you all the best. What you say, 18 months? Or less. So I asked the country to hold strain, and that is why I knew the country could not wait, which is why I offered to help the Prime Minister mm. in his usual pettiness. He said, I don't care. I don't, unless you have a PNM party card, I am not going to work mm. with others. Mm. I give the assurance to this country. Whereas others want to divide, I intend to unite. Mm. Whereas others want to um, be destructive, I intend to be productive. I am going to unite Trinidad and Tobago. And we are going to make Trinidad and Tobago safe again. All right. Thank you very much. All right, folks. Uh, Gary Griffith, thank you very much for being here, sir. Okay. All right, man. Guy Griffith here, live on Freedom 106.5 FM. We take a small break. And when we come back, we talk to another former uh, COP, Mr. James Philbert. All right, stand by.